Hey there, future fans. Fall movie season has started, and it started big with it. Well, we have more movies this week. One exciting looking one, and then some other good ones with the usual sprinklings of sh**. What movie is the big pick? Well, stay tuned and find out. It is the week of September 15th, and this is Future Flicks with Billiam. Episode 58. everyone welcome back to the show you may have noticed that it is another late episode this week but this time it's not because of the usual reasons not because of me going on vacation again and not because i'm a lazy asshole. no no this time it's because in my area of beautiful santa cruz county california we had some lightning which struck a transformer and it caused a fire and also power outage so for the past three days i have had no fire so i have been reading jim butcher books dress and files to be exact by lamplight for the last three nights well finally we are back and we can do the show and it is going to be a big show today i have some news some trailers and then we're going to jump right into the movies after that so if you're a returning listener thank you very much for coming back i really appreciate the support and if you're new you may be wondering what it is i do here well here on future flicks what i do is i go through every movie that's coming out during the week i tell you who's in it and who worked on it if it's anyone well known and i tell you what it's about then i also give it a score based solely on the trailer and anything i may have learned about it this score will go from zero for the really bad movies and 11 for the great movies i also throw in some news which is the first segment and the trailer trove where i go over any new trailers that have hit the scene since the last episode let's jump into the first round of housekeeping and that's how you can reach me and also how you can listen to the show well first of all if you're listening to the show you've done it you found us us it's just me i don't know who else is us you have found future flicks thank you but you can also find me on itunes soundcloud stitcher google play youtube and tumblr and youtube and tumblr should be starting to get updated soon i hope i hope to get back on that you can also find me on any podcast listening app as well as the somewhat nerdy website what website is that that is www.somewhatnerdy.com you can also reach me on twitter at billiam swn and also on Instagram, you can look at pictures I take, BilliamSWN, there as well. And you can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Well, let's jump into our first segment, which, as always, is the news. According to Box Office Mojo, it won the weekend with a $117 million opening weekend and now can claim it had the largest September opening, largest fall opening largest opening for an r-rated horror film or any horror film for that matter and it did more in its opening weekend than the dark tower did over its entire run the dark tower only took in 49 million total that's less than half of its opening weekend of 117 million the playlist said that ellie fanning is going to play mary shelley in this biopic about the author of frankenstein 
The author of the article, Kevin Jagernoth, didn't have much good to say about the movie, but time will tell if he had honest gripes and was 100% correct, or if he's just another D-bag critic. IndieWire released a list of shows that Amazon has canceled, and there are some good ones on the list. The shows that have been canceled by Amazon are as follows. The Last Tycoon, Z, The Beginning of Everything, Good Girls Revolt, Hand of God, Mad Dogs, Betas, Alpha House, Crisis in Six Scenes, Annie Droids, Grotemer Gibbons' Life on Normal Street, The New Yorker Presents, and Eat the World with Emeril Lagasse. I, I really hope that Amazon and also Netflix and Hulu aren't going to eventually become what I hate about network television. Only giving shows one season before they cancel it and then moving on to something else. It's like, come on, give a show at least two seasons to work up a fan base and then cancel it if it can't. Don't just give us one season and then dump it if no one watches it. I mean, an argument can be made for a true flop, like a show that not only did people not watch it, but those who watch it hated it. So yes, there are instances when dumping a show after one season is fine. But most of the time, it just needs time to pick up new viewers. How many times have you been suggested a show on some streaming service that you go, oh, okay, maybe I should check this out because a friend said something. You go, oh, look, they have three seasons already. Where has this been? There aren't commercials for Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu, and they have to realize that sometimes it's going to take people a while to find these new shows. All right, let's go on to the next story. Cinema Blend is reporting that James Gunn said that we're going to get more backstory from Rocket Raccoon. Is this going to be a standalone movie? So far, the answer is no, but Gunn is hinting that upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe movies will have more backstory from everyone's favorite raccoon. And finally, according to Collider, Guillermo del Toro's new film called The Shape of Water won Best Picture at the Venice Film Festival. And that's big sh**. It's like, that's one of the big film festivals. Uh, this movie, or this is the movie, about a woman and her relationship with a creature from the Black Lagoon-esque thing who is being held captive by a company that she works for. It looks interesting. The trailer looks really good. Check it out if you haven't seen it. But it looks like this movie is going to be his next big hit. And my friends, that is it for the news. And as always, if I miss anything, if you think there's a big story that I should have covered or at least talked about, let me know. You know, tweet me, email me, leave a comment. But with that, let's jump into the trailer trove. And here comes everyone's favorite intro music. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Trove. All right, welcome to the Trove, everyone. It's been a while since we got to hear that music. Yay. Yay for me doing a half-assed job with my intro music. You know what? Let's have some fun. The trailer for Fifty Shades Freed came out, and it came out on the 10th, so let's break it down and just sh on the whole thing, shall we? All right. I like this plan. Here we go. The trailer starts out with a dress hanging from a chandelier, but what's missing is Anastasia Steele's gimp mask. We see a montage of Anastasia and Chris Brown, uh, I'm sorry, I mean Christian Grey, getting dressed for the marriage. Then a voiceover says, I will keep you safe as for as long as we both shall live. I call bullshit. You already abuse her, OJ Simpson. Okay, it's too late to keep her safe. He slips a ring on her finger, and the fact that's not a ring actually surprised me. Then the screen goes black and some writing says, This Valentine's Day. 
The scene shifts to a plane and the window rolls down and Anastasia Love Muscle says, You own this? Of course he f***ing owns it, you poster girl for Stockholm Syndrome. He owns a f***ing company. What, do you think he rides coach with the West of Us plebeians? Gray responds with, We own this. Oh really? Can she use it without your godlike permission? Then we have a montage of scenes from on a vacation, them f***ing, and then spousal abuse. Yay! Spousal abuse. And before I get any hate mail from anyone, no, no, it's not BDSM, it's abuse. All right, that was fun, right? You know, I feel bad because I never watched the last movie and thus didn't write a review ripping it apart like I did for the first one. But you know, maybe I'll make up for that when the new movie comes out and I'll just do a, a three movie sh** fest. I think that sounds good. All right, well, let's go into the next movie in the trove. The next movie is a holiday movie, but this one is for Christmas. The Man Who Invented Christmas, a movie about Christ. No, okay, no, not really. This is about Charles Dickens and how he wrote The Christmas Carol. This one looks interesting, and each time he thinks of a character, he sees that character and starts talking to them, and he works out the story that way. This stars Dan Stevens and comes out on November 22nd. I understand that release date because they want all of December to give people a chance to watch it, but any movies about Christmas really should wait until at least the first week of December, because once December hits, then everyone's thoughts turn to Christmas. If you do it too late in November, people's thoughts may still be on Thanksgiving or, oh sh**, I ate too much, and oh my god, I got trampled to death on Black Friday. But when you wait until December, the first week, People are already thinking of it, so they go, yes, I will see this movie. I will get myself into the hol holiday spirit. I will get Christmas as f up in this. The next movie that got a brand spanking new trailer was Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And it has a second trailer, actually not a brand spanking, well, I guess it's new. It's just not their first one. It's their second trailer, and it looks pretty good. This is a dark mystery dramedy about a woman whose kid dies, and she puts up three billboards outside the town, calling out the police for not doing more to investigate and find the killer. And not only that, she starts to take matters into her own hands. This stars Francis McDormand, Peter Dinklage, Woody Harrelson, and Sam Rockwell. Look for this on November 10th. That, that cast alone is amazing. Jungle had its first trailer released. This is a Daniel Radcliffe movie based on the true story about a man who was separated from his group after they were abandoned in the jungle by their guide. So these group of, this group of people, they were in the jungle following on a guide. The guide is a dickhead and abandons them. And then he gets separated from that group. So he's all alone and he has to find civilization. And this movie should be a lesson to everyone. Do not be one of those college hippies who just grabs a backpack and says, I want to travel around the world. No, this is how bad shit happens to you. If you go to some European country, you'll get picked up at the airport and sold into sex slavery. If you go to some jungle place, you'll get either some terrible disease or you'll get lost and killed by cannibals. If you go around the mountains in America, you're going to be eaten by inbred cannibals. Just a lot of cannibals. A lot of cannibals and a lot of unwanted sex. That's what you get when you travel around like that. And let's not do that. And finally, in the trove, we have a trailer for The Current War. A movie about Nikola Tesla, George Westinghouse, and Thomas Edison. This is about the battle between... More about the battle between Westinghouse and Edison and how Tesla was brought into the mix. I hope this movie shows Edison for the monster he was. And... Something I didn't know until maybe about five, six years ago, I started learning more about Edison and what a gigantic ass he was and how he's not this modern hero. Not really. 
This stars Benedict Cumberbatch as Edison, Michael Shannon as Westinghouse, and Nicholas Holt as Tesla. This also stars Catherine Waterston and Tom Holland. Well, that is it for The Trove. Let's start the movies off with two movies that have something in common. And what is that? Well, I'll tell you at the end. The first movie this week is called Beach Massacre at Kill Devil Hills. A bunch of big-titted women get killed at a beach house. Okay, that's the premise from what I gathered from the trailer, but here's what IMDb says. Stacy Phelps doesn't want to be anywhere near her abusive ex-husband the weekend that he's getting out of prison. With her best friends by her side, they decide to go away to her parents' beach house. Soon, they will be in a fight to survive the night. This looks like a low-budget horror, but not the good kind. It looks like they built their cast from people fired from Skinamax sets. This looks really bad. This looks terrible. The trailer was terrible. The acting was terrible. This is actually a straight-to-VOD movie, and it hit one film festival back in October of last year, then was put out to DVD right away in August or on August 8th of this year, and for some reason, it's being put into theaters. Why? The world may never know. This is a shitty horror movie, and not even, like I said, the good kind of shitty horror movie. There's nothing enjoyable about this. This looks like it's so bad you can't even laugh at it. This should be skipped at all costs. Beach Massacre at Kill Devil Hills gets a 0 out of 11. The next movie on the list is a movie called Vengeance, a love story. Tina gets raped after a party and her young daughter was a witness to it. After the two men get exonerated, the cop on the case takes matters into his own hands to stop the men before they can strike again. The stars Nicolas Cage from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Anna Hutchinson from Cabin in the Woods, Talitha Eliana Bateman from Annabelle Creation, Deborah Kara Unger from Silent Hill, and Nash Bridges himself, Don Johnson. This is a crime thriller starring the once great Nicolas Cage in a role that makes me think of the Wicker Man, but fewer bees. What we have here is one of those movies that doesn't look bad, but it also doesn't look good. Everything about this is old hat. There is nothing new to add to the mix, and it's sad that this actually has good actors in it and that their talent is being wasted. The little girl, Talitha Eliana Bateman, was really good in Annabelle Creation. I really liked the movie. I wouldn't put it up there as great, but it was really entertaining. But she was the breakout star. Of course, she was the main character, but she did a fantastic job. This movie is based on a book by Joyce Carol Oltz called Rape, A Love Story. And not much has changed. The only obvious difference is that in the movie, Tina is coming back from a party instead of just walking through the woods. So in the book, she's just walking through the woods and with her daughter, and she just gets raped. And in this one, she's coming back from a party, and she's drunk, and she's flirting with guys. So I guess in the courtroom scene, they use that against her. She's some sort of slut. And it's all very typical. We've seen this so many times. How many episodes of Law & Order Special Victims Unit has the bad guy either gotten off or almost gotten off because the woman has a bad rep? It's a very easy tactic to use to get a viewer angry and to make them feel invested, or at least to attempt to make them feel invested, because I feel that a lot of us are too smart for that. This could have been a good movie, but something went wrong along the way. What we're left with is a run-of-the-mill movie that doesn't do anything to entice me, or I'm figuring most other people, to go and see it. Vengeance, a love story, gets a 4 out of 11. So here's what the two movies had in common. When I was on YouTube looking for the trailers for these films, I noticed that both movies were up on YouTube, the full movies. 
Will this be the same tomorrow? Maybe not. Maybe it will be taken down. But for the past couple of days, it's been up for you to watch the entire movie. Sometimes it seems like there are movies that get put up on on YouTube, and it gets taken down faster than a one-legged man in a game of tag. But sometimes there are movies that stay up because I guess maybe no one cares enough to look? These last two movies seem like they're the type to stay up, so if you want, search for them on YouTube and give it a watch. It's free. The next movie on the list, and the first movie that can't easily be found on YouTube, is a movie called In Search of Fellini. Lucy has been kept at home by her protective mother for 20 years of her life. Her mother finally decides that Lucy needs an adventure of her own, and the girl decides on going to Italy to search for her favorite director, Federico Fellini. And along the way, she may find love. This stars Ksenia Solo from Turn, Washington Spies, and Maria Bello from Secret Window. She was also in A History of Violence with Viggo Mortensen. This movie looks interesting, but it looks like one of those movies that you never plan on watching, but eventually you stumble upon it and you go, oh, okay, that was good. Would you watch it again? No, probably not, but you're glad you watched it at least once. This is a drama with a hint of romance about this girl who has no life experience at all, who's been kept sheltered by her mother, who's scared that the outside world's gonna hurt her daughter. Then when her daughter turns 20, she realizes, oh geez, I f***ed up royally. My daughter has terrible social anxiety that I gave her, has never been in the outside world, doesn't know how to talk to people, knows nothing. You know what's a great idea? Let's send her out to Italy. Great f***ing idea. This movie could have gone two ways. It could have gone the romantic way in a, a movie sort of like Midnight in Paris, but it also could have gone a really dark route and a more, I think a pessimist would say realistic route where she gets taken advantage of. And I'm not talking about taking advantage of sexually per se, but taken advantage of by people who just want her money or want to just mess with this naive girl. Luckily for us, assuming that you're the type who likes fun movies and not this hard-hitting quote-unquote reality, but lucky for us, this movie is the former. This is more of a romantic trip where she finds a lot of great people and she has wonderful experiences and falls in love and all this great stuff. This isn't to say that there's not going to be someone who's going to fuck with her a little bit, but the trailer really hinted at the idea that this is going to be a positive adventure for her. The producers on this and the director isn't anyone you'd really know unless you're really big into indie films, but the writer, the main writer on this is a name that if you don't recognize, you would definitely know her work. Nancy Cartwright wrote this movie, and this is her first writing credit. So if you don't know who Nancy Cartwright is, you do. You know her as the voice of... Bart Simpson, and also the voice of Rufus on Kim Possible. I think this was a very good movie for her first one, the first that she ever wrote, because it does, it does look good, but it doesn't just, it doesn't grab me. And I, I don't know how many times I've said it, and I just know I'm going to say it a whole bunch of more times. I'm going to say it probably at least once an episode, maybe twice. But this is the type of movie that, while I think I will like it, while I think a lot of us will like it, we can easily skip it and we will not miss a thing. So while I think this is going to be a cute movie, while I think this is going to be romantic, I also think it's going to be well shot. Uh, from Just from the trailer, the way it's filmed just has this adventurous look to it with her being guided down hallways by people who want to take her to parties and all these views from interesting angles that isn't really a normal angle you would see things from you the camera comes in as if you're lucy the main character a lot and i know i've said 
a lot of good things about this movie, but the fact still remains that in this day and age, we're inundated with movies. Tons of movies every week come out, and most of us don't even see one a week. We may see one a month. I try to see one a week, but it's also what I want to do for a living. So for most people out there, you're going to see a movie maybe every other week, maybe, like I said, once a month. So you're not going to pick this movie. This is the type of movie that you stumble on later. That one day you're sitting at home, you plans fell through, or you're sick, and you're just browsing Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon. And you're like, I need to watch something new. What's something that's going to surprise me? See this? Go, oh yeah, Billiam talked about this. This could be good. And you watch it like, good. I saw this. I enjoyed it. Move on. And unfortunately, movies like that aren't worth a lot of attention. Just because this isn't like La La Land or Moonlight or let's go back farther, Titanic, Gladiator, these big movies that come along that if you miss it, you're missing out. This movie is fun if you have time. In Search of Fellini gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up on this week's list is a movie called Because of Gracia. Two high school couples explore friendship and dating along dissimilar lines, leading to courage and transformation for one teen and a personal crisis for another. This stars John Schneider from Smallville and Chris Masoglia from Cirque de Freak, the vampire's assistant. And welcome everyone to the first Christian film in a while that I'm not going to take a huge dump all over because this one is kind of a stealth film because it I didn't it didn't occur to me that this was a Christian company and a Christian themed film until a little more than halfway through the trailer. And for those of you who don't know, let me let me explain right now before you turn me off that I don't have anything against Christian movies, but I think they are best save for the church circuit. And a lot of them, especially the really big ones, are very formulaic and so much so that they get boring. This one, though, tricked me at first. I thought it was going to be a romantic comedy or romantic dramedy, more along the lines of a kid in high school who has this girl he likes and then they start dating as this other couple is going through a crisis. And nowhere in the trailer did it hit me in the face with God, 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 blah, blah, blah. Because even though I believe, I think that movies that want to have a Christian theme should be a little more subtle with how they pass along the message. I think it's more important to have a movie that teaches you to be a good person regardless of faith and then go and then say, oh, by the way, God stuff's cool. Come join us instead of having it all so overt. This movie looks like it's one of the movies that I may actually see just because it seems like it's about these two groups of high schoolers and their their struggle going through life. And those are the stories I like the most because this stuff can really happen. It's probably really happening out there. How many high schools? How many high schools right now have groups of friends where there's a bunch of in-dating, all the friends are dating each other and the trouble's going on and they're trying to help each other and grow together? And all this true-to-life drama. And that's what makes me a little more excited about this film. I may have said a lot of good things about it in this whole segment so far, but this still isn't a movie that I think I'm going to really try and see. If I if I ever stumble across this, sure, I'm going to give it a shot. It looks cute. But I mentioned earlier how a lot of the movies that I get so frustrated with. So I think movies like this are a step in the right direction, but this still is just a run-of-the-mill romantic dramedy. 
There's nothing unique about this. There's nothing about this that makes me say, oh, wow, I should really take note of this and watch it later. The best thing I can say about it is that it looks a lot better than a lot of the other movies that can be thrown into the same category. And that alone isn't worth a recommendation. Because of Gracia, it's a 5 out of 11. All right, everyone, we have one movie left before the break, and that movie is called Rebel in the Rye. This is the untold story of the author of Catcher in the Rye, J.D. Salinger. This stars Nicholas Holt from X-Men Apocalypse, Kevin Spacey from House of Cards, Zoe Deutsch from Before I Fall, and Victor Garber from Titanic and The Flash. So, everyone, what we have here is a biography drama about the author of one of the most overrated books in history. That's right. I have just spoke literary slander. I hated Catcher in the Rye, and I think it is woefully, woefully overhyped. Holden Caulfield is a terrible character. The story is terrible, and it was written with amazing mediocrity that I have no idea why it's such a classic. I do have Franny and Zoe on my to-be-read list just to give J.D. Salinger another chance. But my friends, this isn't about his books. This is not. This is about his story and what it looks like as a movie. So while I don't really care about the man himself, this looks like a good movie. Because this man went to school to become a writer, then got drafted into World War II, stormed Normandy, saw people die, made it back and then was told by so many people that he didn't have a story, that his his idea for Catcher in the Rye was terrible. And while I may agree with those people that told him his book would never sell, J.D. Salinger persevered anyway, and now we have an American classic, no matter what I feel about it. The movie does look good. It looks interesting, but like I say quite a lot, ultimately skippable. I would only really recommend this movie to people who are big fans of the actors or a big fan of J.D. Salinger. Because this movie doesn't dig too deep. This isn't a true biopic. N not really. This really just tackles the surface. To me, this feels like a movie that would go well in a movie marathon with the film Genius. That was a movie from 2016 starring Colin Firth, Jude Law, Nicole Kidman, Laura Linney, Guy Pearce, and Dominic West about the publisher or the... Um, editor, actually, Max Perkins, who was an editor for such greats like Thomas Wolfe, Ernest Hemingway, and F. Scott Fitzgerald. This movie kind of feels like that, where it's just, it takes a snippet out of the life of this this classic American author and tells us that particular story. So we're not going to get the full story from Rebel in the Rye, and I think that's okay. This is only going to show us how Holden Caulfield and Catcher in the Rye was born. And the good thing about this movie is I don't think you have to have any history with Catcher in the Rye. You could have never read it, or you could have read it and loved it, read it and hated it, or read it and just felt meh about it. Your view of the book, or your history of the book, really has no bearing on this. Because I saw the movie Genius without having read any Thomas Wolfe, and I still haven't, and I still really enjoyed it as a movie. So this film, Rebel in the Rye, has some really good actors in it. And I think one of the best actors or best modern actors of our time, Nicholas Holt, and one of the classic actors in recent history, which is Kevin Spacey. 
So we have two reliable actors leading the charge to tell us the story of J.D. Salinger, and I think that's good enough to warrant putting this on your list. This is not worth the effort for a theater watch, obviously. Because one look at the trailer and you can tell this is a movie that you may like, but not the type of movie that you must see. So put this on your list to watch later, no matter how you feel about J.D. Salinger, because the movie looks good. Rebel in the Rye gets a 7 out of 11. And that, my future friends, signals the first and only break, because I forgot that I normally take a break a little earlier so I can have room for the four promos I have. So stay tuned after the show for the two promos I usually put at this point. So please stay tuned for a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds in a Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast, SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Well, before I get into the movies, the rest of the movies for the week, I want to talk about a movie I missed from last week. And this is a limited release anime called Hirune Hime, Shiranai Watashi no Monogatari. I'm not going to do a whole spiel on it. Check out the trailer if you want. It it looks good. I mean, it looks like a general slice-of-life anime with a hint of sci-fi in it. This isn't going to be as good as something like Your Name or Summer Wars or one of those movies. This is this is going to be fun. And it's not going to be super stylized. It's not going to be this. It's not going to be like a shonen or a sports anime or something like that. This is just going to be a cute movie. This comes to us from writer-director Kenji Kamiyama, who did Ghost in the Shell and Blood the Last Vampire. And interestingly enough, this looks nothing like those other two. He also worked on some Cyborg 009 and the Ghost in the Shell sequels. So keep an eye open for that. But let's get back into the movies that are coming out this week. And the next movie is called Brad's Status. Brad is taking his kid to visit colleges, but along the way he realizes how impressive his son is and starts to question his own choices and where he is in life. This stars Ben Stiller from Zoolander, Austin Abrams from Paper Towns, Jenna Fisher from The Office, Michael Sheen from Masters of Sex, Jemaine Clement from Flight of the Concords, and Luke Wilson from the documentary Idiocracy. This movie was written and directed by Mike White, who wrote movies like School of Rock, Nacho Libre, and Orange County, and hasn't done much directing so far, but this one looks like he does a pretty good job. 
this movie reminds me that I'm getting old. I'm not as old as Ben Stiller. I'm not as old as Jenna Fisher. But still, remembering movies like Mystery Men and Zoolander, which were like 19, 20 years ago. Okay, that's lazy of me. I can actually do the math. Okay, let's see. Zoolander was back in 2001, so 16 years ago. Mystery Men was back in 1999, so 18 years ago. There, math. Woo! High school paid off. But that's a big chunk of time. That's that's almost 20 years. And now we're watching Ben Stiller in movies now playing an older man. Not, not old per se, but just someone whose child is going off to college. Someone who can have a midlife crisis. Someone who is starting to go gray. I say with patches of white hair throughout my hair. But... This movie makes me feel a little melancholy, and not just because of the realization that I'm getting old, but the fact that I think that's the feeling you're supposed to get. You have this man in this movie who had never questioned his life choices before. Like, his friends are millionaires and highly successful, and he runs a non-profit, you know, doing good deeds and helping the... I don't know what his non-profit is, but he helps people, I assume. But now that his son's going to college, he sees how smart his son is that Harvard is a possible college he can get into. And now he's looking back at his own life going, what have I done? My three best friends are rich as all hell. And here I am not a multimillionaire. So he's supposed to be going along with his son as a pillar of support and ends up having his own crisis. This movie looks good. It doesn't look like a comedy like the other movies I mentioned, Zoolander and Mystery Men, but this looks like a light-hearted dramedy. Something that could really happen. A story that one day maybe a lot of us could relate to. And I don't know how old you all are, all of my future friends. Maybe you can relate to this now. Or maybe you're much younger than me and don't have to worry about this for another 20, 30 years. But eventually, something like this may come up. And I think that's also what kind of makes this movie scary, is it's going to make you a little introspective. And I think that adds to the appeal of this movie. So we have good actors in this. This is done by a reliable writer. He may be unproven as a director, but he's been around for so long in the writing gig that who knows, maybe he picked up some good tips. And it's presented to us lightheartedly. This may not be a big blockbuster. This may not be one of the two big movies this week, but I believe this is a movie that is worth a watch. And I think this is something that even some of you, my future friends, may pick. Will I see this? Maybe if my movie pass card comes anytime soon. But the movie I really want to see this week is going to be, of course, my pick. But this one is up there. And this one was actually in consideration, even considering the fact that I'm a huge fan of the body of work that the that my pick is based off of. So I do believe that this is a movie that everyone should put on their list, that I think this is something we would all enjoy. This movie is going to be honest and it's going to be real, but the way Ben Stiller acts and his delivery will disarm it a little bit so it's a little more digestible for us. So we're not going to leave upset. We're going to leave, I can't guarantee happy. I can't guarantee this is going to have a happy ending per se, but I think that this is going to have a realistic ending. I don't think that Ben is going to, Ben, I don't think Brad is going to magically become a millionaire and go, oh, look at me, life is great now. I don't question anything. No, I think that he's just going to go back to his life and realize that he did good. He may not be a millionaire like his friends, but he raised a good young man. He is in a marriage that still is very successful, that he loves his wife. So this is probably going to be one of those movies that has the overall theme of be thankful for what you have. 
the way we get there, the way we get to that ending is going to be at least a little new, a little interesting, and a little fun to watch. Brad's status gets an 8 out of 11. Alright, so we're at that point where we have two big movies left. And based on what I said during the last review, you may have figured out what my pick is. So let's just get right on with it, and I'll tell you what my pick isn't. And that movie is called Mother. A woman lives a tranquil life with her husband at their remote home in the country until it's challenged by an unnamed couple who arrive and begin to live with them. And following on their heels is even more people. This stars Jennifer Lawrence from American Hustle, Javier Bardem from Skyfall, Ed Harris from The Rock, Michelle Pfeiffer from Batman Returns, and Domino Gleason from Star Wars The Force Awakens. This comes to us from the artsy motherfucker named Darren Aronofsky, I think that's how you say it, who did Requiem for a Dream, The Fountain, Black Swan, basically crazy sh**. If sh** is crazy, he may have done it. So for this go-around, instead of picking some wonderful actresses like Jennifer Connelly, Natalie Portman, or Mila Kunis, he instead picks Jennifer Lawrence, the most boring actress in all of acting. And not only that, but the most overrated actress in all of acting. All of her characters are the same, except for like one or two where she's actually surprised me. She shows no emotion and gives nothing in her performances. So this movie already has that going against it. What this also has going against it is the fact that this is one of those movies that's f***ing weird just for the sake of being f***ing weird. This is one of those films that's going to be so painfully artsy that you just sit there and cringe at times because the writer and director is such a f***ing tryhard. Sometimes it works. Sometimes. Black Swan was okay, but this one doesn't look like it's going to be okay. It looks like it's going to be just weird, and so much so that it gets unenjoyable. Javier Bardem is a great actor, but from the looks of the trailer, it looks like he just phones it in. Nothing about this film looks good. Even the character names suck. Like Jennifer Lawrence's mother, Javier Bardem is him, Ed Harris is man, Michelle Pfeiffer is woman. Go f*** yourself. That is some Cormac McCarthy artsy bullshit right there that should get the f*** out of any movie I watch. Best case scenario for this movie, it's going to be mediocre, but I have a really, really bad feeling that this is going to be terrible, and I think you should avoid it at all costs. Mother gets a 2 out of 11. Before I get into the next movie in my pick, I just want to explain why I sometimes talk a whole lot of shit about movies, and I give it like a two, whereas some movies I talk a lot of shit about and they get a zero. That's because there's, I'm giving this two points just because I like a couple of the actors in it. I mean, I like Javier Bardem, Ed Harris, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Domino Gleason, And it gets another point because it could still be good. There, There is the chance that this is just a terrible trailer and all of the things I judged this movie on were judged unfairly. So there is that chance. But remember, by all means, if you think this looks interesting, go see it. This is just my thoughts on it. I think this is going to be sh**. I don't like Jennifer Lawrence. I think Javier Bardem is phoning it in this movie based on the trailer. But you may not feel the same way. You may watch this and go, wow, this is my jam. This is the best movie of the year. I have a huge boner for this. I don't know. I don't know how you talk. But there, there's my big explanation on that. So let's jump into what my pick of the week is. And that movie is called American Assassin. Mitch Rapp's fiancé was killed in a terrorist attack and he sets out to seek justice. He's recruited for a CIA black ops group and undergoes training by a Cold War veteran. 
After the training, he's sent on his first assignment, which could be more dangerous than anyone thought. A bad guy who used to be a black office agent, just like him. This stars Dylan O'Brien from The Maze Runner and Michael Keaton from a million different things, but let's just say Spider-Man Homecoming because that's the most recent thing he's been in. This is brought to us by director Michael Cuesta, who it mainly has directed TV shows like Homeland, Blue Bloods, True Blood, he's a thing for blood apparently, Dexter, a lot of blood, Six Feet Under, not so much blood because they're all embalmed, but... But he's a uh, reliable TV director who is going into movies now with this being his first big movie. And it's good to see Dylan O'Brien in this because if you remember back in 2016, he was in a huge accident on the set of Maze Runner, The Death Cure. It was such a big accident that the movie was post or filming was postponed indefinitely. But luckily it's back in and done filming now, they're now in post-production, but what had happened is he was harnessed onto a car or something like that, and he fell, or the harness got hooked on something, he fell and was hit by another car. He severed a terrible concussion, severe lacerations to the face and body, and it looked really bad, like for his career and him, or maybe I should put him first, because I'm not a monster. <laughs> so it looked bad for Dylan O'Brien, and his career, but he made it back, and he did Deepwater Horizon. I'm not sure if that was before or after the the accident, and then he's done some Teen Wolf, but yeah, it's good to see him still acting, because I like him. He hasn't done much, but hopefully this movie will show Hollywood that he is an action star, because we know that he's a teen movie star. He's on Teen Wolf and Maze Runner, which is based on a group of YA novels. So now this is his step into adult cinema. Okay, adult cinema sounds bad, doesn't it? it? Sounds like he's being a porn actor. No, no, this is his step into something that's not based off a kid's book, basically. So if you're not familiar with it, American Assassin is a prequel to the Mitch Rapp series by author Vince Flynn. There have been, God, a lot of books in the series. Let me look this up. So there are 16 books in the series, so this is where it starts to sound familiar. This starts to sound like something along the lines of Lee Child's books or Robert Ludlum books, like the like Jack Reacher and the Bourne series, respectively. But unlike Jack Reacher, the Mitch Rapp series of movies, assuming there's going to be more than one, I don't know. But they're at least starting chronologically with the first book, which I, I am really happy with. They're not going to jump us somewhere in the middle. Like, if I, if I remember right from my notes from earlier this year, the Jack Reacher movie started with the seventh book, because why the f*** not? And then the second movie was the 14th book, because also why the f*** not? Let's just jump all around. But luckily for us, we are getting to see the beginning of Mitch Rapp's story. But here's the great thing. If, even if you do not care about this character and all of his books, you don't have to to watch this movie. This is just a spy, action spy movie. And who doesn't love one of those? All right, who doesn't love a good espionage thriller that eventually turns into a blazing gun battle and explosion fest? You don't have to give a flying sh** about, about Vince Flynn's series to like this movie. It just helps if you do, because you'll finally get to see characters that you maybe have imagined for years on the big screen. Is Dylan O'Brien who I would have picked to play rap? No. Is Michael Keaton who I would have picked to play Stan Hurley? No. But I'm really glad they picked him because now this is who I picture when I'm reading the books. And I think it fits wonderfully. And here's a fun fact. The guy who plays the director of the CIA in this, David Suche, I think that's how you say it, is Hercule Poirot, the famous detective from Agatha, the Agatha Christie novels. 
He's not playing Poirot in the new movie, mind you, Murder in the Orient Express, or the new version of it, but he's the one that when you think of Hercule Poirot, he is the one you think of. Here's the bottom line with this movie. It is reliable. It is going to be a fun movie. It's going to be... It's going to look good. It's going to have good action sequences. It's just going to be an overall reliable movie. Just like the book is an overall reliable book. It is fun. Is it great? No. Is it up there on my list of favorite books? No. But I read it and I enjoyed it. And that's exactly what I think you're going to get out of this movie. You're going to watch it and go, wow, that was a fun movie. I am really glad I watched that. I'm really really glad I watched it in theaters because a movie like this does better in theaters. But it's not going to make it on your list of greatest movies of the year or even greatest movies. So if you want to see a movie this week, I do believe this is what you should watch. Unless this totally doesn't appeal to you at all, then I think you should watch Brad's status. But otherwise, this is it. This is the Future Flicks Pick of the Week. This is going to be a fun action flick that's going to show us a new side from Dylan O'Brien. And that's going to show us the wonderful Michael Keaton. I know that this is what I'm seeing this week. American Assassin. It's an 8.5 out of 11. All right, so it's been a while since I've done a question of the week. And and that's because for a while I was getting an answer every week, at least from one or two different people. But uh, there was a span there where I didn't get anything. So I thought, you know, maybe I will give it a break and then start again and see if the answers start. So during that break, I got an answer from Critter from the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast and the Watch Your Mouth podcast regarding my question about heist movies. And that question was basically, what is your favorite heist movie? And his answer is too many heist movies to list. I looked up a list of heist movies online because I wanted to watch more. Turns out I saw all of them, which was impressive yet depressing. I love heist movies because they usually surprise you at the end. I mean, you know some kind of surprise twist is coming, but you don't know what it is. But one I always recommend to other people is Lucky Number Slevin has all the elements of a heist, but doing it for revenge versus a payday. I think that may qualify, and yes it does, that is a fantastic movie. My favorite is still going to be Italian Job, the remake with Mark Wahlberg, but Lucky Number 7 is a great movie. So for our first time back in a few episodes, back to the question of the week, let's start with something simple. The big pick this week was a espionage movie focusing well with a heavy focus on action so not maybe true espionage because a real spy isn't gonna be blowing up but in the movies we like to see our spies blowing up so tell me my future friends what is your favorite spy movie is it one of the james bonds is it something like spy game tinker taylor soldier spy spy the comedy with melissa mccarthy tell me what your favorite spy movie is i will try to send reminders out about the question of the week before I record, or at least a couple days before I record the next episode through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So once again, the new question of the week is what is your favorite spy movie? And with that, my future friends, it is time to end the show. So let's end it like we always do with the housekeeping. And don't forget to stay tuned after the housekeeping for the word from the last two sponsors. Or not sponsors, but friends. So you can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, YouTube and Tumblr again soon, hopefully, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars. Give me all the stars possible because that really helps my podcast. And if you can, the more stars, the better. I, I would consider it a favor. And... 
even if you don't listen through iTunes, you can get, like the podcast or follow the podcast, do whatever it is the app you use lets you do. Please share the podcast with your friends because that is how we grow. We are ever growing. The whole somewhat nerdy podcast network is ever growing. And I just want us to get so big that we can start making some money and bring you even more content. Because if I could, I would focus all my time and attention on somewhat nerdy stuff. So also leave a comment on this episode. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what you think I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? That is a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN and Instagram, Tumblr, and Untapped BilliamSWN as well. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Also be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network, and my bromance buddies, the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, and also the Uncourt Gamers, which hopefully I'll be going back to them soon if Dan will have me back. Don't forget to check out my good friend, Big D, Movie Hunter on YouTube. There's going to be a link, as always, in the show notes. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. We're trying to get another nerd talk up, just like we always used to do. We're trying to get more writing on the site. And finally, my dear friends... My dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, you just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMPodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. I'm Dan. I'm Jeff. And we're the Uncourt Gamers. Have you been looking for a video game podcast where people don't get insider knowledge, where people don't have access to games early, and they're just everyday Joes like you? Is that the same podcast that I've been looking for where sometimes we don't even talk about video games? That's right. This is the Uncore Gamers, the gaming podcast where we talk about games when there's gaming news. If there's not, we don't try to half-fist game stuff into your throat. We'll talk about things like the 90s, parenting. And and the 80s? And the 80s. (laughs) All right. So if you're looking for a video game podcast where people make bad decisions just like you do in your everyday life, check out the Uncore Gamers. We're not just a bunch of scumbags. So remember, if it isn't about video games, we'll find a way to make it about video games.